It's All Songs Considered. I'm Bob Boylan. If you don't know the group Boy Genius, there's a good chance you know one of the members of their trio. Boy Genius is Julian Baker, Lucy Dacus, and Phoebe Bridgers. They've just released a self-titled EP, and today, a conversation with these three talented songwriters. We're gathered in the studio here at NPR just moments after they finished their Tiny Desk concert to talk about the music they love and the music they listen to. Individually, they've each performed a Tiny Desk concert in the past. In fact, Julian Baker is one of the few artists who's done it twice. We talk about the often nerve-wracking experience of playing in an office in daylight, but I start the conversation wondering what the first song they played together was and how it all began. The first one we arranged was by the hand. Oh, yeah, totally. But the first one we wrote together was was Salt Before or After Idaho. So it was before because okay. Idaho was literally like the while last. they were setting up the microphone to record it. Yeah, yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, Great. so, so I'm gonna play uh, a bit of uh, "Bite the Hand," and then you can paint the picture where you were and so forth. I can't hear you. You're too far away. I can't see you. The light is in my face I can't touch you I wouldn't if I could I can't love you How you want me to I can't love you How you want me to I can't love you How you want me to So maybe not this recording, but the first time you were sort of got around and tried to figure it out, you said the arrangements were put together. Where were you? And Well, Julian and I flew to L.A. because that's where Phoebe lives. And we had one day before four days at Sound City to record. And I had written this one at home. And, Which is um, Richmond? Or well, yeah, Richmond, Virginia, just like in my room thinking about Julian and Phoebe and what we all share and maybe something we could all understand um but like the round that happens at the end wasn't part of the plan yet and like uh the instrumentation wasn't thought out yet and so we went to uh Phoebe's drummer's Phoebe's drummer Marshall's house brother's sister's (laughs) husband's um, wife yeah in Pasadena and like hung out on the couch and started with this one is this the round stuff that you were talking about at the end yes let's hear this I think it's such a good call, Lucy, that we took out the guitar part. You know what I mean? So it's like a little surprise. But I absolutely love th- when uh, people start clapping at the end and then we keep and singing. Then you do. Then we <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. It's like cute. When we went to play it on All Songs Considered the other day, Robin stepped on it. He talked right at the part love in the that. middle of the. Yeah. Every single radio person has <laughs> yeah. done that. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's, it's almost like part of its story now is that it tricks everybody yeah it's a golden moment what do you think you bring out of each other like when you thought lucy you're sitting and thinking about working with these two 
Like, what is it? I associate Phoebe and Julian with having real strength in darkness. They're also, like, very wise and funny people that I trust as people, not just artists. So I kind of did assume that it would be very easy to work with them, and it turned out that was right. You all want to add anything to what maybe, let's say, Julian, what Phoebe brings out of you? I think... For me, the the quality that I admire in each of you is your comfort in expressing yourselves and your, I think, like, entitlement is, it has a negative connotation, but I think it only has a negative connotation when you talk about someone who's over-entitled, but you guys feel a strength in being and demanding the things that you need. You guys take up space well. And you don't seem to have the reservations that I do about taking up space. And so I think being around each of you is healthy for me to see that sort of uh, behavior modeled. That's awesome. Thanks, man. You're welcome. I just, something just clicked for me, which is that I've done kind of a lot of collaborating. So I check myself quite a bit with my own solo music, especially when I show it to someone, a friend, to kind of like bounce ideas off of. I apologize for myself a bunch or I'm like, this one line is dumb. And there's just like a level of checking myself that I do even privately. And then when I go into a room and collaborate with especially like older people or someone who's technically more established or just has been around longer in music, I like that doubles and triples. Mm. And with these guys, I actually check myself less than when I make music by myself. Like, I just have the idea, and I don't have to apologize for it. It just comes naturally. Uh, and I didn't know what to expect. It wasn't... I I was, like, a fan, obviously, of both of these guys, but I was um, not surprised, but pleasantly arrived at our dynamic. Mm-hmm. Are either of you exchanging lyrics or, or helping other people with lines and songs and things like that? Is it is any of the creative part happen, like especially lyrically together, where you say, yeah, that is a good line, you know, or, and support each other that way? Or I've got an idea for that. You're both, you're all nodding, which doesn't work well on the radio. But, but <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that you mean, uh, just to clarify, you mean with our own personal music? Yeah. Yeah, I think I sent you both like the last record that I put out I was like please tell me how this is please help and I think y'all were one of the only people that I trusted that with and I you each were so kind and sent me back like a song by song nice yeah it was like really sweet we should compare if you do yeah we should I'm like just now remembering that because it feels like an eternity ago but it was we'll publish that if you'd like yeah (laughs) totally the like or not mixed notes because I guess it's less production stuff and we're just talking about the content of the songs but I respected y'all's opinion so much and similarly to what Phoebe was saying I think I felt not intimidated to share the songs with you because I felt very much at ease and very supported and like the feedback that you each would give me would not have an ulterior motive and and would be delivered in such a genuine way that even if it were like this line could change or this line's a little corny I don't know if that happened. I would love if it did, though. Now I'm going to go check the email and see if either of you called the songs. I've been just listening to, I don't know if you, 50 years ago, the Beatles' White Album came out, and they've just released, like, all of these outtakes. So the Beatles are, for the White Album, they were all in a studio working on songs together, and you just hear them sort of, I'm doing hand gestures on the radio. This is great. You can see them all sort of pushing each other in different ways and helping each other and supporting or sometimes cutting remarks, you know, or whatever. But it's all in the, all, it's all working together to make this thing. And it's friendship and it's the best of friendships where, you know, they've known each other at that point. They were all about 26, 27. So they'd known each other for, you know, 10 years or whatever. And it, it's just beautiful to see that relationship, but also to see like the people who you think are the, some of the greatest songwriters not sure of like uh you know uh, a line in hey jude put your hand on my shoulder you know where paul thought that was a stupid line and lennon thought hey that's the greatest that's a beautiful line you know and you just go wow so it's crazy hearing that stuff be worked out and it's such a treat uh or what yesterday used to be scrambled Scrambled eggs eggs are you kidding (laughs) yeah no it's he, real. Yeah. He would, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a scrambled eggs. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. 
the jokes come true with the Beatles, like, 100% of the time. They yeah. just, they just oh my gosh. completely follow through with all their jokes. Well, jokes coming true. There's so much spontaneity with that. Like, when I was in college, I went to this, like, weird lecture where they had the guy who worked on... It was either the White Album or uh, Magic Mystery Bus... What's, what's a white? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, what's fine. a white? Is, uh, or glass onion? <laughs> Which is that? Like mystery school bus. Glass onion. Glass onions on the white album. Okay, yeah. He was like the snare part at the beginning was uh in in like intern e engineer like made a mistake editing it and then Paul was just like let's keep it. <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. like screwing up the Beatles <laughs> session? And then them just being like, "What? Well, it sounds fine. Yeah. Cool. Both of those awesome. things. Mm-hmm. Talk about the Beatles, but you want to play something. Uh, let's start with whoever. Raise your hand first. We'll pick a song and play it. It could be old. It could be current. Uh, me? I'm on. I. We sent the songs in, the suggestions. Now we're talking about the Beatles. And I feel like that's they're such a controversial band. Like, they used to not be. I feel like the Beatles used to be ubiquitously loved, but I meet a lot of younger people now that seem bizarrely jaded about the Beatles. And just why? They're amazing, and they remind me so much of my my mom specifically. I feel like my dad was super into, like, hair metal and, like, southern rock, (laughs) but my mom... Was like Beatlemania. Play one then. Play one that mom oh, played around dude, the house that hey you loved. Hey Jude. Okay. Hand on yeah. your shoulder. Yeah. Okay. It's really sweet. Uh, I'm gonna play the, the 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 white album reissued just came out this week. I have a conversation for folks uh, with Giles Martin about how it all came together. That aside, I, I want to play this, um, which I haven't even listened to. I want to play this. Uh, hey Jude. Hey Jude wasn't on the white album. It came out as a single. Um, the summer previous to the White Album, but it was worked on during the White Album sessions. And so this is an outtake of Hey Jude. So you can hear how songwriters who many of us admire alike a lot put together their songs. So let's listen. What's that? Right, this is take one, apparently. So the first time they, together in the studio, played it. But how does it feel to hear someone else who, like, and you know the finished product kind of well, how does it feel to hear them like this? It's really interesting. It's very, it feels very precious, you know, to see a song uh, that's so iconic in its nascent form, I think. Yeah, I like to interact with things devoid of hype. And like to listen to this song, which clearly uh, has been treated to some of the most hype that a song could be treated to in this world. Yeah. Um, at a point when they just had to believe in it without anyone else there. Yeah, because that's a thing that I somehow always forget when considering music historically, that this song, I guess, 
removed from the machinations of like press and publicity and like the engine that sort of a, a label or a company puts into a release as an artist like you're not sure what song is going to be people's favorite when you re- release music you don't know what is going to resonate with people and I feel like you all were talking about this where it's so interesting to see what people latch on to because at least for me it's almost never the line that I write that I think oh that's a good line I'm proud I wrote that it's always some random not throwaway line but a line I maybe wasn't as confident about or a line I was unsure of ends up being something that people latch on to is a very special moment I think that's probably true of our record a lot because there's so many like intuitive decisions rather than calculated decisions. Yeah. Anybody want to play a song of theirs that has a great line in it? You should play Phoebe's um, Scott Street. Oh, no. Oh, the shower beer. (laughs) Gosh. Shower beer. I hate beer. Also, BT dubs, (laughs) which is like, it makes the the line even sadder to me because I... You don't even enjoy beer. I don't even enjoy beer. Lucy and I were having dinner analyzing your song, Phoebe, (laughs) and we were talking about how that little couplet does that beautiful thing where it gives you some objects and paints a whole image, like the Read My Mind Killers. Let's listen. And tell me if there's a couplet at the beginning or end. Oh, no, it's right at the beginning. Okay, all right, let's play it. Walking Scott Street feeling like a stranger With an open heart, open container I've got a stack of mail and a tall can It's a shower beer, it's a payment plan There's helicopters over Repeat the couplet again. What was the couplet that we did? I've got a stock of mail <laughs> and a tall can. It's a shower beer. It's a payment plan. Oh, yeah. Right. Which, it grows on you. You know, you it just sets the scene so perfectly. It's like two objects, and then the two objects recontextualized. And you know so much about that person, or like about what's happening. And... I just, I think it's really poetic and good. Good job, Phoebe. I almost want to turn this into, like, having Lucy pick a Julian song. Oh, I could do it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, for sure. Look at that face. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't do it to me. But we just did it to you recently. Good News is my favorite Julian song. There's my favorite simile is in that song. My ribs creak like wooden dining chairs. Yeah, dude. That makes my body hurt. Really? I hear that, yeah. See, that's really interesting. I won't say anymore.
I was just saying off mic, but now I'll say it on mic. It, it's really validating that you like this song or that folks like it at all because I always feel like this song bores people because it was sort of an experiment in minimalism, I guess, for me writing it. I really like that song, $100 by Manchester Orchestra, because it's, it is so good, and it's crazy. That song is like, when I heard that song, I thought, wow, you really can just sit there and scream with an electric guitar, and it'll sound awesome. And then I like directly ripped that off to do a three chord song with like the same melody, same everything. And there's uh. so there's something so emotional to me about like the Manchester song and this song, like not needing to rhyme all the time, just like saying what is on your mind yeah. without form when what you think of me is so is important and then rhyming the next line with important, you you're saying like my brain can't function with this information. I'm laying it out on the table and it totally. it's so emotive and Leonard Cohen does it all the time, Bob Dylan does it all the time. Like I actually think not rhyming can be more effective. Yeah, it's closer to how you would actually speak. Yeah. And it just because we're talking about it, like the there's a hundred dollars line that gives me chills. The part where he says, It's not even that I'm all angry because that's like what you would say I'm to a person angry. in a fight. It's not even that I'm all angry. I just want to know why you would do this thing. Yeah. And putting that into a song feels like you're sitting in the car with your friend while they explain like a fight to you or while you're like yes. wit- you're a third party witnessing an event. Oh, here it is. Stacked up on top of a picture of me when I tried to call no one answered It's not even that I'm all angry Just wanna know why you would do this thing you said There's an understanding And I offered you a small dog in the kitchen just wanted you to feel at home and that's why I'm fine I am fine I am fine I am fine I just need one hundred dollars it's so good I'm fine I am fine I am fine I am fine I just need one hundred dollars from you and you That is a good choice. Good. <laughs> it's really good. You were thinking of a song because we, we've each picked, well, not we, amongst you, you've picked songs that each one of you have loved of the others. And Oh. You can pick a Lucy oh, gosh. song, Julian. It's so hard to. I think I, is it called Trust Lucy? Yeah. That one is the one that resonated with, I really love the shell in the way it seems very dense not in that the words are convoluted but you convey a lot in few words in the shell if the body and the life were two things that i could divide i'd deliver up my shell and be filled with somebody else that whole thing is like so much for me and it happens in like 10 seconds but trust is like so it's almost yeah, I don't want to say the opposite. I don't know. We'll listen, and I'll explain. I set a fire on the stove And fed it every word I wrote I watched my journals turn to smoke Now all there is is what I spoke Decided long ago to make the most of what I know. 
get the impression that uh, maybe you even said this at the beginning you haven't heard this song in a long time as, as songwriters you have songs that you put you know were important at the moment and then they're n- either not important don't fit or and then you hear it again do you get a rush of emotion because these things all of you write songs that are, are that are not casual <laughs> let's just say they're not casual at all and so did that bring something looked like it brought something back for you lucy yeah, it's just weird to like hear my voice at that time too. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't really play that song, but um, yeah, my heart rate is like up right now. <laughs> um, it also like reminded me of that lyric about if beauty is the only way to make the nightmares go away, I'll plant a garden in your brain and let the roots absorb the pain. Is a line that a couple people have, you know, come up and talked to me mm. about. There's this woman uh hannah bradley that made a painting for me that's like this brain that has a tree growing out of it it's like the lyrics are on it and i had she gave it to me at a show in i think dallas and um gets in my house and it's just kind of wild to have been affected by so many lyrics you know throughout my life and then to just be on the other side of that and know that it matters to people is like i can't wrap my head around it it's the best gift that you can give just accept it as like this thing that for whatever that you don't have to pat yourself on the back for it but just know that you've done this thing and it's such a wonderful thing the gesture that someone will carry something in a way and the truth of the matter is what you all know this is songwriters like you do this thing you have this intent to some extent intent in your songs and then taken completely like not the way oftentimes the way you think oh, and true. and that that's just fine and if i mean well mm-hmm. it should be because if, if you don't feel it's just fine oh my god you're it's going to be really hard to live yeah <laughs> true 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 <laughs> let's take a quick break we'll be right back i'm talking with julian baker phoebe bridgers and lucy dacus boy genius and you're listening to all songs considered from npr music Support for this podcast and the following message come from Masterclass, offering online classes taught by masters of their craft. Each class is shot with cinematic production quality and offers on-demand lessons loaded with exclusive content. Listeners can learn about photography from Annie Leibovitz, writing from Malcolm Gladwell, music production from Armin Van Buren, and a whole lot more. For a limited time, All Songs Considered listeners get a free seven-day trial when they sign up at masterclass.com slash allsongs. Support also comes from ELS Studio 3D Premium Audio, available in the all-new 2019 Acura RDX. Surrounded by 16 speakers and 710 watts, ELS Studio 3D lets you take studio-quality sound on the road. Developed with eight-time Grammy Award-winning recording engineer Elliot Shiner, it's a whole new dimension in sound that lets you hear the music the way it was originally intended to be heard. Precision-crafted audio performance, exclusively from Acura. I'm Bob Boylan. I'm here with Boy Genius, Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, and Lucy Dacus. We're going to go someplace completely different 
I asked you to pick some songs that you want to play. We went down a different road, and I love going down different roads, but I just want to change the mood. This is something uh, that Lucy picked, and here it goes. Oh, when you're smiling. I love music that just like when immediately you can't be in a bad mood. Yeah. Listen to it. The whole world smiles with you, baby. Yes, when you're laughing. When you're laughing Yes, the sun Comes shining through Was this something around your house? Or where did you pick up on Louis Armstrong? I don't even remember um, When I first heard Louis Armstrong I feel like actually it might have been from my grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, her basically her just saying like new music is bad and this is what real music <laughs> is. And like I, I don't know, she never like sat me down to show me music, but recognizing her taste and realizing that it's you know of a different era and it's still good, still good. You know, as a kid, like there's so much newness. And you interact with like new toys or like what's on the kids' station of the radio. Uh, I think it was like a real moment for me to realize that there's so much that's already gone on <laughs> that's, you know, worth taking in and caring about. And I don't know how to like explain that as a child development stage, but just like realizing that there's this whole past behind you that's really rich. And I love that song because it's so simple, but it yeah it immediately just like makes you feel warm and happy and the sentiment um, I mean. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i think that uh, the the generation you're all growing up in has a deeper understanding for more music past present and f- and i'll say future because it felt right but but certainly past and present than any other generation that ever came before my my generation at least I'm just oversimplifying, but my generation rejected everything that came before it and wanted to say, you know, give a big finger. Rock and roll to me was a big finger to every other music that existed and mm-hmm. was a way to start afresh and, and find your own identity within it. And punk to the extreme does that. And that's how I felt music was all about. It was all about identity and self-identifying, find something you, you were a part of making, and that's who you were, and that's how you define your generation. And now I see, like, this other path that, that happens now, and some of it is just because of technology and being able to hear. I can pull up Louis Armstrong in no time like that. And I think it's a beautiful thing that, though you can embrace the present and love music that's of the present, it doesn't mean that you have to reject the past, and I'm really grateful of your generation for teaching me that lesson. I like that. That's awesome. That is awesome. awesome. Phoebe, why don't you pick me a song that you wanted to play for the whole world (laughs) today? Uh, I think First Timer by Elliot Smith. That was an album came out after he died, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So First Timer, Elliot Smith, on record New Moon, I think it was called, right? Yeah. Okay. And do you want to tell me why? Is there any? Yeah, it was one of the first CDs I bought with my own money. And Elliot, to me, was like an accumulation of all of the influence I got from my mom. Just the singer-songwriter scene, but it was mine. Like, my parents didn't get it. And my peers didn't get it. It was just mine. Someone I thought was really cool showed me Elliot. Her name's Carla Azar. She's a drummer from L.A. And I wanted her to think I was cool so bad. And she actually showed (laughs) me an instrumental song called Kiwi Mad Dog first and I didn't get it at all totally went over my head but then when I delved deeper I didn't even tell her how much I resonated with it I just walked around with my headphones in and listened to New Moon over and over and over and over and over which is weird because I actually love his instrumentation and stuff and it's completely stripped back on this record but this song is so sweet to me first timer. 
wishing I was someone else When I see you by yourself In a corridor Where you find yourself now blocked By the door you you won't do what the doctor ordered You won't see someone else Come on back to me Bye bright tomorrow You say feel Cause you are Well at least So Far What was that line you loved? If you feel Oh, you feel hollow and you know it's cause you are <laughs> Oof Ouch. It just Hits you Yeah. And you all knew this song? Is that or not? I've heard it, I don't yeah. know the words Yeah also, I love how sad his guitar solos are in context. He's just like, because you, f- you feel hollow, and you know it's because you are. I'm going to shred a little bit of an acoustic guitar so you can think about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just take a little break to do a sort of languid solo. Yep. It's never like piercing rock. Which he can do, and he did in Heat Miser, which is... So he, I love that about both of you guys, actually, is that he, you guys both restrain from your... Uh, guitar abilities. Oh yeah, Dude, uh, and you can it. unleash it at any time. I was going to say that there's there's some unleashing too that happens, and, but oh, that's totally. why, that's why it works, right? Yeah, and that's what works better is is knowing when. Well, knowing when to. Yeah. So let's do one more pick. You, you, Julian Baker, you got a little. We got a little bit of a Manchester Orchestra song, but I don't think you have fully got a a pick that you came oh, with. Yeah, one of the ones. I was trying to think of these, and it's, like, so high stakes when you're considering your one or two songs. Yeah, I asked them all to pick a song that that meant something somewhere in their life. But bizarrely, this song, I picked a song, Doesn't Remind Me, by Audio Slave, which I feel like is both an underappreciated band and song by that band. I mean, they're not underappreciated. They're, like, wildly popular. But I feel like people know Rage or people know Soundgarden. But this Audio Slave song is so beautiful just like the poetry of it if you remove it from the context of the song and you just kind of like read the lyrics it's gorgeous and actually quite sad it it reminds me of my dad because it was i think like one of his cultural touch points of like rock that was on the radio that we could agree about and would listen to in the car but then you know as i moved through liking more i guess obscure aggressive music this song even though it does live in rock on the radio world still resonated so much the last line well we'll talk about it after okay yeah mentioned last line in the song i'm gonna i'm gonna scoot down oh, the, yeah. uh, that's technical time yeah. scoot scoot yeah. Yeah. oh yeah you're skipping the shred yeah, right. it's so you hear okay, that all, all right here's the a little here's a little of that okay we've heard enough of that 
That's me shredding alone on a line six in my bedroom at 12. I saw those fingers. Yep. I like throwing my voice and breaking guitars Cause it doesn't remind me of anything I like playing in the sand What's mine is ours If it doesn't remind me of anything That line... <laughs> it's like embarrassing. So I like throwing my voice and breaking guitars because it doesn't remind me of anything. Like to a musician, that's so relatable. Like imagine an activity that totally removes you from the anxiety and self-awareness or, or insecurity that you feel or maybe being like plagued by contemplating memories. Uh, of the past that are uh, traumatic or future anxieties, like something that gives you that respite is so... So total comfort. Yeah, and so th- the whole song is basically, you know, like for a musician, yeah, it's throwing your voice and breaking guitars, but the whole song is like the list format of all these things that don't remind the singer of anything. And it's neat because they're such random and kind of disconnected images or activities but to hear them stacked all together poetically conveys this really beautiful image and it also has this other layer of how much my dad loved that song is amazing because it's sort of to a person who doesn't write poetry to a person who isn't in a band and doesn't have the very obvious mechanism that like me or that we have of uh externalizing those feelings that song gives a voice to people to name their aggression and to experience that emotion i think that's what's so beautiful about like chris cornell's writing you know what i mean and about how widely consumed it is even if it is like stadium rock and has a wah pedal involved it's very beautiful i just realized i'm full of regret that we didn't smash our instruments after our tiny death <laughs> like after idaho <laughs> oh god why didn't we that do just like so an good. incredibly delicate song maybe th- that's last day of tour because yes. we won't need them again yes ever again i'm just gonna throw my ma- like that's such over. a lame thing to smash my tiny mandolin julian you've done this three times this tiny Desk thing three times phoebe twice lucy twice Easier, not easier. Not, not easier. easier. I feel like every time, I guess the two times I've been here, I've just been blushing super hard <laughs> and aware of like my sinuses, like my nose has been running or like my lips have been quivering. Like there's a bunch of spit in my mouth. I don't know. <laughs> it's like this place just makes me flip. I don't yeah. know. It takes like an entire scale off the top and the bottom of my range, like the nerves. (laughs) It's like carpeted and it's in an office and also uh, there's so many people so close to you. And so while the format is, uh, I guess, kind of analogous to a house show, the sonic properties are different, which throws you off. But also the vibe, it's more like a living room show. House show leads me to believe that it's got this like loose, loud energy, but this is something very quiet, very intimate and I always get timid also it's like potentially people seeing you that just trust your opinion Bob and might not know the music like there I bet there are people that come just like oh we hear that there's a tiny dust who knows who's playing you're talking about the people in the room yeah like but today it felt like maybe people were Mm. knowing what was going on but still there's this element of having to like do right by you and your taste you know just like prove you right or something just so people know it is my little literal physical working desk people come who are working here at NPR and sometimes I really wonder how news or anything gets done because what were there there were 150 200 people many NPR employees but then many friends of NPR PR employees. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I I always like to hear the perspective of artists because it's different. You know, how, mm. we've done eight hundred or something yeah. of these, and Whoa, that insane? that's wow. crazy. That is crazy. That is crazy. I'm really happy to see you. And it's nice that Lucy. I'm going to start with Lucy and Julian because I learned of Lucy through your show, Julian, at uh, DC9 in 2016. So I knew you knew one another back then, and I'm just trying to sort out like how everybody knows everybody. 
Like, did you know when, when Lucy went on tour, did you know of Lucy? Was she just someone added to you because of label or mm, something? So actually, uh, my manager, Sean Rohr, is from Richmond, and Lucy is also from Richmond. And so Lucy was put onto the show that we played at DC9, and we met then. And I believe, no, because you sent me a private link to the SoundCloud, because No Burden wasn't even out. Correct? That was after the show, right? Yeah, it was like right after the show because I had not heard of your music because nothing was it up on exist. the internet. Yeah, of course. And I watched Map uh, Maps on Walls. Like, Map on a Wall. That, okay, I did you hear me start to say the right one? You always and then start second, to say it right and then correct yourself to the wrong place. That's like the story of my life is like <laughs> overcorrecting out of anxiety and then doing the wrong thing that's what tiny desk is for me in my brain <laughs> i'm like you don't know what's about to happen and then i do the wrong thing instead of the yep but it sounded right yeah, yeah except for it. the joke do you want to tell the joke actually right so that oh when people God. who come to the tiny desk can... <laughs> oh, okay no. here's the joke i'll tell it eloquently now just so you see the difference between me in a tiny desk and okay. out of a tiny desk so there are two muffins in an oven, right? <laughs> and one of them looks at the other muffin. <laughs> no, right, this is all so bad. And says, uh, it's getting hot in here. Mm-hmm. And then the other muffin says, oh my gosh, a talking muffin. Yeah. It's like, I get the absurdity of it now. It's short enough. Yeah. Do you um, want to go out on one of your songs? What, what, what would we, what, what should I pick? Ketchum I've... Idaho is the one we always, I mean, but we did do that in the tiny desk. Yeah. What about salt? We could do salt in the wound. That's one that we all, I feel like we all contributed equally to that song. We each pressed our limits mm-hmm. on that song. Yes. Awesome. In like completely different ways. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to record some more? We don't know yet. There's no yeah. other song at this moment that we <laughs> yeah. could record. We're not keeping anything from The flight's not for a few hours, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Of course. Yeah, thanks. That was awesome. Boy Genius. Their one and only EP is self-titled. You can watch them perform three of those six songs on NPR Music's Tiny Desk Concert Series. I'm Bob Boylan for NPR Music. It's all songs considered. You take and you take like silks up my sleeve, tied corner to corner, never ending. Trick after trick, I make the magic, and you unrelentingly ask for the secret. Try